Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you have your Bibles here, please turn to Acts chapter 3, as that's where we're going to be today. In Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, there's a road called the Mount Edward Road. And every time I drive by a house on that road, uh, it reminds me of the time. Let's try that. The time I met the people who lived there. Uh, and what happened was, I was about five or six, and it was winter, and we were just leaving uh, the mall after doing some Christmas shopping. And so, um, what happened was, after just leaving the mall, the roads were icy, and we just left, and the car in front of us just slammed on their brakes all suddenly, and my mom was not able to stop the van, and so we slid into their back end. And then the car behind us was not able to stop either, and they slammed into our back end. So we're kind of pinned in between two cars. Uh, within 30 seconds, a car coming down the road perpendicular to us was not able to stop at the stop sign, come down the hill, slid right into the side of our van. So we were hit on three sides. And uh, my mom's just one of those people who panics in any situation with driving, so she was just uh, at her, her wit's end. But this is before cell phones are, are popular, so she's trying to get hold of my dad. Not well, uh, just not working. But me, my brother, and my sister, we're just standing on the side of the road, in the cold, waiting to go home. And the people who, who lived in the house where this all took place in front of, they saw us standing in the cold, and they asked my mom if we could come inside. So they brought us in, they, they let us get warmed up, they gave us a snack, and they just let us play until we could go home. And so every time I pass that house, I remind, remember that act of kindness they showed us. Um, within two years of that, it was Christmas Eve, and we were going home uh, after the Christmas Eve service at my home church, Sherwood uh, Church of Christ in Prince Edward Island. And we were, we were making a left to go over to Stratford on the bridge. The light turns green, we start going, and somebody who started celebrating New Year's Eve a week early had a little bit much to drink, ran the red light, and hit my family's van on Christmas Eve, same van. Uh, thankfully, no, no injuries, but quite a bit of damage. So Christmas Eve night, we're standing on the side of the road while Dad's dealing with the police and, and trying to figure out insurance stuff. And so, along comes a taxi driver with one of those gigantic Crown Vicks. And he, he says, pile on in. So like, the five of us, everyone except my dad, pile into the van or that car and he takes us home. And so there was another act of compassion shown to me on, or in, my, in my young life. So what you can learn from this is if you want to experience compassion, get in a vehicle with me uh, around Christmas <laughs> and you might also experience an accident as well. But, but I love to see when people show kindness and compassion, just random acts of it. Whether somebody blows a tire on the highway and a person just pulls over to say, can I help you out? Do you need help changing this tire? Or maybe it's on the news and you see like, here's just a little bit of good news actually for your day. Somebody helps somebody. And what I love about those random acts of kindness and compassion is that there's a lot of potential within them. So as you've probably guessed by now, we're going to be talking about kindness and compassion this morning. So picking up in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. 
Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. So the church has just started. Jesus has gone back to heaven. The Holy Spirit came, last, as we learned last week. But, but the, the church is kind of continuing in some of their Jewish traditions. So going to the temple for prayer is one of these things. And, and as Peter and John are going to the temple, they come across this beggar. Now Acts chapter 4.22 says, um, this guy is over 40 years old. So for, for about 40 years, most of his adult life, we should say, he's been outside the temple looking for a handout. He's just asking people for money. Now, there's a good chance that Peter and John have passed by this guy before as they were going to the temple for prayer, but they just never noticed him. Maybe he's just one amongst many beggars. But, but this time, they noticed him. And the question is, what, what's different this time? Why are, they, why are they deciding to help him this time than every other time? Well, last week we studied that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. It changed their attitudes. It changed their actions in life. And we see that it, it, much in the book of Acts, it says the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when it says that, something big usually happens. But if you look quickly through the book, or through Acts 3, you're not going to find the Holy Spirit mentioned. There's, there's no mention of up and there. But He is present in this situation. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this to His disciples. But when the Father sends the Advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, as my representative, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And so Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's, he's just basically going to teach you how to live, how I lived. He's going to remind you what I taught you. And here we find Peter and John are going to experience this. In Galatians chapter 5, if you read through there quickly, you'll see a list of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When the, when the Holy Spirit is living inside of a believer, these are the things that you find in them. And kindness is one of those, synonymous with compassion. So we find here, Peter and John are looking for this opportunity to show kindness and compassion to this man. And what I love about this text that I, I never saw before, and I, I never thought about it for my own life, is that Peter and John, as, as I've said, they probably passed this man countless times going to the temple, as it says, he's been placed there almost every day. But they never notice him, probably in the busyness of the temple, as people are coming and going for prayer, worship, and sacrifice. But this time, they do notice him. And they seize the opportunity to help him. So what it shows us is that it's never too late for us to show compassion to somebody if that opportunity is still there, if we encounter that person needing help. And many times we, we can walk right past those opportunities for compassion because maybe it was, it was awkward, maybe it was just busy, we didn't notice it, or we thought somebody else will help them, and we just didn't know what to do. But we can encounter those opportunities again and act on them. It's not too late if that opportunity is still there. Maybe you're thinking of those opportunities for compassion you go by every day. In February 2009, um, I was shopping for my first car, and I wanted a Jeep. Um, but I was getting married uh, within like four or five months, so uh, my fiance at that point, I won't name who it is, uh, kind of put the kibosh on that. She was like, no. Um, so I had to get a car that she, she would want to drive. 
So I got a 2004 Hyundai Elantra, very sporty. Um, <laughs> but but as I was researching this car, as I was looking at, at uh, whether this is a car I want to buy, I just kind of started noticing how many Elantras were out on the road, that it was actually a very popular car. And it just, it never stood out to me before. I even think about the time when, when I was young and my parents were selling our house for the first time. And it was, it was weird to me for me to see a real estate sign on the front yard. And then as we drove about town, I just kind of noticed how many houses were actually for sale. It, it just stood out to me. I had never noticed it before. And the reason these things stick out is because we're familiar with them. They're, they're kind of common to us, and they just they, they stick out of the environment. Now, what if we familiarize ourselves with opportunities to show compassion to people, ways in which compassion can be shown to people, so when we hear somebody's in the hospital, we see that as an opportunity to go visit them and encourage them. When somebody's struggling just financially to put food on the table, that's an opportunity to just buy a bag of groceries for them. When somebody's alone, they're lonely, that's an opportunity to just invite them over, give them a call, see how they're doing. When somebody's injured or maybe they're elderly and they can't do too much around the house, that's our opportunity to go help them. The people who are overlooked in our society, that's our opportunity to talk to them. For the person who can't afford bus tickets or a vehicle, our opportunity is to give them a drive to places or give them bus fare. But in all of this, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to where He's guiding us, pointing us towards those opportunities for compassion in our everyday lives. In our prayers, we should be asking God to help us see things the way He does. Asking Him to, to see those opportunities for compassion that surround us every day. I'd say that many of us have been at a point in our lives where we've, we've needed compassion, where we've needed help. Maybe we were sick or maybe we were injured or maybe we were just struggling emotionally, financially, spiritually or mentally. Just having a tough time dealing with life. But, but we've all needed help. It's not easy to ask for that help often, is it? Because it's humbling. We feel like we're, we're being a drain on other people. I'm the type of person where if I'm at a restaurant and my, my water glass is empty, I don't like to ask the waiter or waitress to come fill it up for me. I wait for them to notice because I feel like I'm being a nuisance asking them to help me. Uh, I think about even like a month ago, my car was getting some routine maintenance done. And it was, it was just, I didn't have my car for four days. But life still goes on, you need to get around, and, and things happen. And so I'm asking people, can you give me a ride here, or, or can I borrow your car? And for me, that's humbling, I, I don't like doing it, because I feel like I'm, I'm being a nuisance to those people. That, that's a very, very small thing. But imagine you're this crippled beggar, and for your entire life, you have to ask people to carry you to a temple gate so that you can beg people to give you money just to get by. Now for this man, this is probably not what he wants to do, but he doesn't have much of a choice because there's not really any social assistance program in place to help him out. But in order to receive the kindness from others, he has to ask for the compassion. And often, when people are asking for compassion in our lives, when they're asking for that help, it's because they actually do need it. So we need to listen to what they're asking for. 
Right, in Acts chapter 3, verses 6 to 10, picking up where we left off. But Peter said, I don't have any gold, silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I can. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And what we see is we have to give what compassion we can. And one of the most important things to realize is that to realize that is that we're blessed. And that enables us to give that compassion. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And when I think about growing up, um, my family didn't have a lot of extra disposable income. income. There's, there was always food on the table. We were always clothed. We were taken care of. But it's not like we had a lot of, of money to go to, to restaurants or, or to movies or, or like I'm still waiting for my first trip to Disney. So there just wasn't a lot of disposable income. But when I think back to it, we were very blessed. I was very blessed. Because I, I grew up in a home where my parents loved one another. I, I had two younger brothers to play with. I had an older sister who just ignored us at that point. Um, but, but we lived in a great neighborhood with great friends. And, and I had a great church with great Sunday school programs, VBS, and conferences. So I was very blessed growing up. And even today, where I've got an amazing family with my wife and my son and my in-laws, they're, they're pretty good too. Um, <laughs> no, they're good. They're good. They're great. But I've got a great job. I love what I get to do every day working with this church. And I realize that I'm very blessed. But I also have to realize that what God has given me, what God has blessed me with, is to bless others. That we're blessed to be a blessing. And like Peter and John, when we see that person who's asking for compassion, we need to listen to them and ask ourselves some questions. What is the person asking for? Maybe you can give them what they're asking for. Maybe you just aren't able to do it. Maybe you shouldn't give them what they're asking for. What do they really need? Are what they ask me for and what they need the same? It might not be. And finally, is there a way I can bless this person? I might not be able to give this person what they're asking for or what they need, but can I pray with them? Can I encourage them in any way? Can I, can I set them on a path in which they can get that help that they really do need? What we can learn is that compassion is not about what we wish we could do but it's giving and doing what we can at that time. So if we see somebody who's homeless, we're not going to be able to buy them a home or, or rent them an apartment, but we might be able to uh, rent, put them up in a hotel for a couple minutes. We might be able to have them into our own home if we know them. Or just even simple things like giving them food to get through. Maybe if you know somebody who's lonely, you're not going to be able to give them a best friend or, or a spouse to spend their life with but you can invest time into them, spend time with them each week. If somebody has transportation issues, there's a good chance 
You can't give them a car to keep, but maybe you can give them rides to those important appointments they have to help them get back on their feet. And Peter wasn't able to give this man what he was asking for, but Peter was able to bless him. But what we need to see is that Peter's not the one who did the miracle. God is the one who performed the miracle. And we serve the same God today that Peter served. So God can perform a miracle in the life of somebody today. It says that this man was crippled from birth, that, that he was born lame, but then he begins standing, leaping, jumping, and running around. But, but think about it. this guy being crippled from birth, he never went through the process of, of learning to walk as an infant. He never learned how to balance. He was just always on the ground. But, but Luke says, Luke's a doctor, he says that he, he's running around, he's jumping, and he's leaping. Luke's saying, this is a miracle. There's no other way that this could happen. It's not like he was off a bike for a few years and he gets back on and it suddenly comes back to him. This man never had the opportunity to, to ride a bike. But, but we don't know what miracle God may perform in a person's life through an act of compassion. But if we don't take those opportunities, we may never see. So we have to seize the opportunity that compassion provides. Picking up in verse 11 of Acts 3. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. So Peter's just healed the crippled beggar, and as we said, many people have seen this beggar before while they were coming or going to worship. They're quite familiar with him. Now many people, when they passed him, maybe they thought, he's in the way of the temple gate. He's blocking us. Maybe thought they questioned even what he used the money for. But they see this man is standing, he's running, he's jumping, and they recognize him as the beggar. And, and, and they know something big has happened. And a crowd begins to form around, around the beggar and around Peter and John. And, and when we say crowd, we're not talking like 10 to 20 people. We're talking thousands of people surround this group of three men. And Peter begins to preach a sermon in which he says that the beggar was healed through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter quickly makes the point that, that this is not about him. It's not about Peter, the one who helped the beggar. It's not about the beggar who was helped. It's all about Jesus Christ. And he's upfront with why this happens. And then he preaches the gospel. He takes the opportunity he's got. In which he says, the sinless God-man, Jesus Christ, died at the hands of humanity for humanity's sake. To die for their sins. But through the power of God, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead three days later. And now if we trust in the name of Jesus Christ, if we have faith in Him, we can have forgiveness of our sins, eternal life, and life to the full. And what we learn from this is that who receives compassion may be just as important as what is given or done. Because actions often lead to explanations of what God is doing or what God has done. People ask why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I went to college at Maritime Christian College in Charlottetown, PEI, and every year there is a uh, there's a Christmas parade that takes place in Charlottetown, and usually we would put a band on a float for that parade, but your your instrument would go out of tune within like two minutes of starting to play, so it never sounded that great. 
But one year we decided to do something different, and we took, we set up a table in front of the college, and we put hot chocolate on it, and we just gave it away for free uh, to people who were there to watch the parade. And, and it was a very busy spot, as it's where the parade basically started. And so people would come up, and, and they'd grab a cup of hot chocolate, and they'd say, where do I put my donation, or how much? And we're like, it's free. We're just here to bless the community. And they're like, no, how much? And we're like, it's free. And, and it would be back and forth. They just they couldn't understand it was free. And they're asking, why are you giving this away for free? You could be making money off this. And our simple explanation was, we just want to bless the community. But actions demand explanations. So what if love was shown to the undesirables in our community through acts of compassion? What if we showed compassion to the addict, the abuser, the annoying? What could happen in those lives? What could happen in the lives of the people who witnessed this taking place when Jesus gets all the credit? You think of Mother Teresa, the nun who devoted her entire life basically to helping the dying, the poor, the sick, and the orphaned, and her kindness and compassion to this group that everybody else overlooked. It gave her a platform to speak about her faith in Jesus Christ. And when asked what you're doing, or why you're doing what you're doing, we need to be upfront, we need to be honest about it, that we're doing it for Jesus. It's all about Him. In Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, we kind of see the end of what happens here with this beggar. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, now counting women and children. So Peter is upfront. He gives Jesus the credit and the church grows. Now, last week when Greg preached, he said that the church totaled about 3,000 at the end of Peter's sermon that time. Now the church totals 5,000 men. This doesn't include women and children. So the church probably, being conservative, grew by at least five to 7,000 that day, if not more, because Jesus got the credit in that act of compassion. Jesus made a quick return visit to earth, and he was walking along the road, and he came upon a lame man. And, and seeing this lame man who could never walk, Jesus had compassion on him, and he healed him. And the lame man got up and he walked away. Jesus came upon a blind man. And seeing that this man was never able to see his entire life, Jesus healed him, gave back his sight, and there was compassion shown. Jesus continued down the road, and he came upon a man just sitting on the, on the sidewalk, bawling his eyes out. He just couldn't be consoled. And finally Jesus asked him, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And the man said, I work with the church youth group. And Jesus sat down beside him, put his arms around him, and cried too. So for those of you who don't, who don't get that joke, uh, we're opening up spots to work with our youth group in the fall. Uh, just see, see Jim Midget, lots of room. But, but Jesus was compassionate. Throughout the Gospels, the, the authors of the Gospels highlight many times that Jesus was very compassionate. One of these times is in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed, 
and followed on foot for many towns. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now it says that, that Jesus had just heard some news. The news that Jesus had just heard was that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. His cousin was dead. And Jesus wants to go and be alone, to mourn. But, but the crowds, Jesus is at kind of the height of his popularity, his ministry. And the crowds want to be with Jesus. So they hear where he's going, and, and they kind of beat him there. And Jesus gets out of the boat, and he sees all the crowds, thousands of people. And he has compassion on them. It says he heals their sick. And it's actually right after this that Jesus feeds the 15,000 people. And it's, it's just amazing because Jesus is the one at this time who needed the compassion, who, who should have had the compassion shown to him. But he was compassionate in this time. And Paul explains the compassion of God, the compassion of Jesus beautifully in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Paul says this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most of, most of us people, sorry, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Somebody wants to find a sinner as an intelligent person who is intelligent enough to know what is right, or wrong, bad, or evil, but still does what is wrong anyways. Scripture would say that sinners, anybody who just fails to live up to God's standards, the way God calls us to live, but regardless of which definition you use, that puts us all into that category. But, but Paul says Jesus died to save us while we were still sinners. When we failed to live life God's way, Paul says we weren't particularly good people. We weren't deserving anyone to take the punishment we deserved. But Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. And Jesus took that opportunity while we were sinners to show his compassion, his undying, everlasting, amazing, powerful love for us at that moment. And the gospel of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that Peter preached that day to the crowd is the ultimate act of compassion that we'll ever see here. The gospel may be new to you, but hearing of Jesus' compassion should cause us to respond. The first response should be accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, realizing that that greatest act of compassion ever shown is also the greatest act of love that could ever be expressed to us. If you want to talk more about that, please speak to me or one of the other leaders after the service. But for those of us who are familiar with the Gospel, my prayer is that we see that Jesus modeled everything he asks of his disciples and his church, and he equipped us with the Holy Spirit to make that happen. And when we look at the life of Christ, the example of Peter and John with the crippled beggar, I pray that we see that God can take a simple act of compassion and transform someone's life, if not many lives. 
I pray that we're ambassadors of Christ's compassion to a needy and hurting world that needs healing that can only come through the power of God and that those stories of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration would be used to glorify Jesus Christ and build His kingdom. Would you pray for me? Father God, we just thank You for Your Spirit. God, we thank You that when You gave us the mission for the church, You didn't say, just go do it, try it. But Father, that You gave us Your Spirit to live within us, to counsel us how to live, to help us do the things that we just can't do on our own. And so Father, we ask that Your Spirit is with us and in us throughout our daily lives and throughout the rest of this service, Father. That Your Spirit is helping us become more and more like Your Son. To live lives that just model Your compassion and show Your love to the world that desperately needs it. God, we just praise you for everything you've given us. We thank you for your son. Praise in his name.